1: Well, tomorrow can be bigger Just grow, let the world overflow. In. Live a life bigger than yourself. You're created for greatness. Live a life bigger than
2: yourself. Live you are listening to the Live Big broadcast with Derek Greer. Today, we will hear a classic message that we believe will be a blessing to you. Our goal is to teach God's Word in a way that compels you to live a life that overflows and blesses others. Let's get started.
1: Genesis chapter 25, beginning with the 21st verse. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren. God had promised that the Messiah would come through three women. But each of these three women, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, had lengthy problems with barrenness. And often our greatest problems are in our area of purpose. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife. The challenge here is the English doesn't capture it the same way the Hebrew does. Literally, the Hebrew says, Isaac prayed beside his wife because she was barren. She had been infertile for 20 years when you look at the scriptural record. And because he came alongside his wife, scripture said, the Lord granted his plea. When a couple learns to find their knees together, no mountain is too high and no valley too low. And after the man prayed, Rebecca, his wife, conceived. When this husband stopped just letting mama do all the praying and came alongside to help, it resolved a 20-year-old marital issue and problem. Statistics show those of us who claim to be born again have a divorce rate of upwards of 60% which is higher than the natural, national average, which is around 50%. But looking at that, you would think that faith in Christ really doesn't make a whole lot of difference, but you got to look at statistics a little bit more closely. Statistics also show that couples that attend a believing church together have a divorce rate of only 38%. Church is more important than you ever thought now. But watch this. Couples who pray together regularly have less than a 1% chance of divorce. Couples who don't just hear the word but do the word are in a completely different category. Couples that pray together what? Stay together. But verse 22, the couple got together to pray, and they did what only that couple could do, and then she conceived. But then verse 22, but the, ch- the, the children struggled together within her. Now, she was happy about being pregnant, but sometimes even blessings can get a little complicated. And she said, she said, listen, honey, if, if all is well, why am I like this? Hey, you know, God, I'm, I, I'm grateful, but, but there's, a, there's a turmoil going on on the inside, and your blessings ought not be this way. So what does she do? It didn't say she called big mama who's divorced five times for advice. Now, now, you do what big mama tells you to do. You're going to be just like her. Instead of calling up all her girlfriends, she went to inquire of the Lord. Because she went to the right place, she got the right answer. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. Now, Rebecca was just trying to have one baby, but God gave her nations. And God just has a way of doing abundantly above all that we would ask or think. He's just kind of that type of God. But sometimes the difficulties we're experiencing in our lives don't really make sense in our current situation because God is fulfilling a purpose larger than we've ever imagined. I remember when God first started this church. I didn't understand all the struggle, all the trouble, all the drama. It made no sense. Just as little group of people, God, why, could, why is there so much spiritual pressure? Why is there so much conflict? But God wasn't just building a five-person congregation. He was building a church that would impact an entire nation. Do you hear what I'm saying? But, but uh, you know, he pulls it up while it's a seed. That's what the enemy tries to do. And often in life we're struggling because there's a higher purpose that in the current situation doesn't really add up. But if you believe God's word, ultimately it'll begin to make sense. One people shall be stronger than the other. Now, this didn't immediately happen because Esau's tribe was the the Edomites, actually, were were much stronger than than the Israelites for hundreds of years, until David finally conquered them. It often takes time for the word of the Lord to come to pass in our lives. And just because you know it hasn't happened immediately doesn't mean God has not spoken. Then it goes on and says, the older shall serve the younger now convention dictated that the younger would serve the older i mean this was what what they did in that culture but you got to be careful about putting god in man-made boxes because he'll always break out he's just that type of god so when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth indeed just as was prophesied now listen they didn't have the medical equipment we have today there was no way of showing uh, or proving that she had two babies within her Uh, But nonetheless, the prophet knew and saw, and then his word came to pass. And indeed, there were twins in her womb. Today, we use genetics to try to explain and often excuse just about everything. How many of y'all know that's true? But scripture says these two boys came from the same fertilized egg, but they still had completely different destinies. Our genes may have some influence, but ultimately, it's our choices that make us who we are. And the first came out red. Scripture says he was like a hairy garment all over it. So they called his name Esau, which literally means hairy, not hairy, hairy. And Esau, when he came out, he looked like a little baby with a jerry curl all over his back, a red one at like that. <laughs> Afterwards, his brother came out. And when his brother came out, he took hold of Esau's heal. Now, in that time, you know, hair, you know, now we're kind of hairless, but that kind of speaks of our culture just a little bit. Forgive me for saying that. That was just an aside. But, 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 you know, back in the day, hair was manliness. And the more hair you had, the more manly you were. And this spoke of Esau's journey. He was a hunter. He was a man's man, a manly man, an outdoorsman. He was that type of guy. But Jacob, on the other hand, was a little bit different. He didn't come out with all the macho hair and all the macho advantages. So he kind of came out just looking for the angle. This was the type of guy he was. And and Jacob lived a life where he was constantly trying to take his brother's place instead of focusing on finding his own place in life. You need to learn to work with what you got, not focus on what you don't have. Now, some people may be, you know, they might have the manly thing going on, but work with what you got. Amen. Use it and, and God will, will get glory and honor out of it. So his name was called Jacob which literally means heel catcher, or one who trips. Jacob was a trip from day one. How many of y'all know a few people like Jacob? And Jacob's life all came to a head finally. Now, you know, they grew up together, but but all the days, they were fighting on the inside. But then when they came out of the womb, Esau and Jacob were fighting on the outside. And then finally, Jacob tricked Esau out of his birthright. We all know the story. and And Jacob had to, at this point, run for his life because his brother was going to kill him. And he went to Uncle Laban's house, but only to meet an older version of himself. If you know the Bible, Laban put the H in Hustler. That was the type of guy that, that Laban was. But, but hear, hear me. Some of the people that God will place in your life are placed there intensely, particularly and specifically, to show you you. I know you're trying to get away from, why is this person in my life? God might be trying to show you you. And only when you get sick and tired of what that person's doing in your life might you get sick and tired of what you've been doing in your life. Jacob done tricked his brother, so he went to the ultimate trickster, his uncle Laban, who tricked him some 14 times, the Bible says. 10 times or whatever the number was. Changed his wages, lied and cheated on him, etc., until Jacob was ready to change. Genesis 32 and verse 6. Jacob, after 14 years, finally, you know, totally disappointed by the relationship. He wanted out with his uncle, and it's been 14 years since he's seen his brother. He's leaving all his past behind. And then it says in verse 6, Then the messenger returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. Now here Jacob is trying to get a brand new start, but then his past shows up. Ever try to, you know, turn the page, start a new chapter, only for the skeletons of the old chapter to start falling out your closet? This was the case with Jacob. And 400 men were with Esau. Jacob was no match for such an army. So Jacob was greatly afraid. He wanted to make amends for what he did wrong, but didn't seem, you know, by what was happening here, like like that brother was really going to hear it. So he was greatly afraid and what distress. This was not play play. His brother had the capacity to kill him and was about to do it in spades. And he divided the people who were were with him. He, you know, he's a smart man. Jacob said, you know what? Let's split up. It's going to be hard for Esau to catch all of us at the same time. So let's just make it a little bit more difficult for him to kill us all. Verse thirteen. So he lodged he lodged there that same night, and took what came to his hand as a present for his brother. If you can't beat him, at least try to calm him down. And this is what Jacob tried to do. And then it lists his gifts. Over 500 heads of animals, 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200... Use I keep having problems with that use word. And 20 rams, 30 milk camels with their colts, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 uh, female donkeys, and 10 foals. Then he delivered them to the hands of his servants, every drove by it itself. So he sent now these cattle over in waves. And when he did it, he made it seem like, like more. Man, this, you know, just a just little bit of free help. You know, uh, three dozen roses doesn't do the same thing as a, a dozen roses every hour for three hours. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you, if you ever get in a situation, just remember the pastor's word, just trying to help you out. You can make it seem like a whole lot more if you let it come in waves. And he said to his servants, watch this, Passover before me. Jacob was doing good, but now the old Jacob comes out. The supplanted, the guy that was behind and tries to pull out the heels and takes advantage of the guy's position that was in front of him. Basically, what he says is, y'all go first. And he said, and put some distance between successive droves. Skip to 19. So he commanded the second and the third and all who followed the droves, saying, in this manner, you shall speak to my brother Esau when you find him. Say, behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. Jacob spent his whole life trying to lead from the back, trying to lead from behind, trying to steal other people's blessings and waiting for others to solve his own problems. And this was the pattern of his life. He was afraid of the front seat, but he wanted the front seat, so he'd manipulate to get it after only somebody else got it. This was the way he lived. In verse 22, and there's a little bit of Jacob in all of us. And he arose that night. Jacob couldn't sleep. The roosters had come home to roost here, and he didn't know what to do. So he took his two wives and his two female servants and his 11 sons, and he crossed over the ford at the Jabbok. Everybody that was important to him, he crossed them over. He took them, sent them over the brook, and then he sent over everything he had. But once again, we see Jacob trying to lead from behind. Many years I tried to do the same thing. But then it says in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone and immediately God jumped him. God had to deal with the rabbit in this man. God had to deal with the coward in this man. The Bible said, and God wrestled with him. God wanted to put some fight in this boy. So he grabbed him by the collar. And when he did, now, if you put Jacob in the corner, he would fight, but the problem was God didn't want to always have to corner him, and, and, and he needed to learn to, to lead from the front and not just wait till things kind of happen, and only when he was in the corner would he lift up his hands to, to deal with his adversaries. Does that makes sense to you? So Jacob resisted, but when he resisted, God had to get down on the ground with him. And let me tell you something, God still knows how to get in the dirt with us if we push him that far. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, Jacob would fight, but but here he's fighting with the wrong person. And, and you know, I, 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 I've, I've been with people that I, I've corrected and disciplined uh, using the word of God. And it was the right thing to do. And they fought me and, and was so mean. But then they went back to an abusive household. I mean, they'll fight me who's trying to bless them and help them. But then submit to a husband that's beating on them. It makes no sense sometimes the brokenness in the human heart. Now, when he saw that he did not prevail against the angel, Jacob was stubborn. And when he started fighting, he just wouldn't quit. God looked at him and he recognized this can't go on forever. So God touched the socket of his hip and it was painful. The thigh muscle is the largest muscle in the body. It helps leverage the whole middle person. And when you're wrestling the key is, 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 is the middle of you, and, and you find wrestlers positioning their feet, positioning their waist, and it's all about your middle section in the wrestling match. So God intentionally struck him in the place that he was giving God the greatest resistance. God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint. That hurts. But he continued to wrestle. God continued to wrestle with him. And in God's heart, I believe you was saying, Jacob, I don't want to have to hurt you, but I have to teach you to stop fighting with me. Jacob, you can't win as long as you fight against the only one who loves you. What's amazing about this verse is, and most people read it wrong, they emphasize the fact and they kind of make it as if Jacob was some great warrior that called God down to the earth and then knocked God out and beat him up. That's not what the Bible said. It wasn't so much that Jacob wrestled with God. The the grace and the mercy of that scripture was God came down and wrestled with Jacob. And what's awesome is in our stubbornness, in our resistance, in our rebellion, God will come down from heaven and wrestle. And God said to Jacob, let me go. Man, that's that's, that's revelatory there. We're going to talk about that in a second. Let me go for the day breaks. God will not wrestle with us always. Scripture says, he said to Noah, I will not always strive with man. We have to learn to respond to God while it's still day. Don't let the sun set, and in this case, rise on your wrestling match with God. But then Jacob says something wise. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob realized he was not strong enough to empower God, and all he could do at this point of brokenness was hold on. I had a friend who used to get whippings on the regular, and he had a little secret. And what he learned to do, his daddy wasn't home. When mama would come with the belt, he would immediately go to mama and grab her waist you see, from a distance, it's easy to, I mean, you get a whipping, you, you, you feel that bell every side of the bell. But when you come close, it's kind of hard. You start whipping on yourself trying to get the child. I've learned with God that when I'm in trouble, if I just hug on them, if I just hold them, you hear what I'm saying? If I just grab them, man, things would go a whole lot better than they would if I kept running. Hosea twelve and four gives us some more details. Hosea says, "By the Holy Spirit, yes, Jacob struggled with the angel who was really God and prevailed, but he didn't win, or he, did, he didn't win because he fought. That's, that's that's wrong. That's not what Scripture says. He won because he finally wouldn't let go of God. You will not win till you finally hold on and refuse." to let go. And it says, and he wept. There was a breaking on the inside that showed up on his outside. He finally surrendered to God and sought favor from him. He finally realized the only things in in life worth having were the things that God had for him. And he wasn't going to fight anymore. He wasn't going to resist anymore. And all he could do is hold on in his brokenness. Genesis 32 and 27. After Jacob decided to hold on, that he couldn't resist anymore, that his own strength was not enough. Then finally God speaks. He might have said this earlier in the, in the night if he would have held on earlier in the night. The quicker you stop fighting, the quicker you might hear God speak to you about this next chapter. So God said to him, God knows exactly what he's doing. He says, so what is your name? God knows his name. He knew Jacob knew his name. He just wanted to know if Jacob was going to be honest. He said, yeah, my my name is Jacob. Yeah, 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 yeah. My name is Tricky Ricky. (laughs) I spent my whole life relying on my own cunning and my own wit. I'm always looking for the angle. Yeah, that's who I am. And God said, I appreciate the honesty. He looked at him. He said, your name shall no longer be called Slick Rick, but Israel. A new name in Scripture always represents a new destiny. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. How did this man prevail? Because he held on when he was hurting. And because he held on even when God had to hurt him. When he stopped fighting and decided, I'm going to take hold of that for which God has taken hold of me. God looked at him and said, boy, I'm about to change your label and people aren't going to be able to call you what they used to call you because I'm about to do something so deep and so powerful in your life that you will not be the same. When you learn to hold on and stop fighting, God can change your name. By the way, what is your name? I know what your mama calls you, but what's your real name? What's that thing that defines you that ain't right? What is that thing you, you people used to call you 20 years ago, they knew you then and you don't want to see them no more because you don't want them to bring up. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. What has been your name? And God says, if you hold on, if you just hold on to my unchanging, I, w- I will change even your identity. Yeah. If you learn, to ho- if you stop fighting, stop pushing and pulling and just grab me, I can do what only I can do. Genesis 33 and 1, and we're going to wrap up for the morning. Now Jacob lifted his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming. And with him were those 400 men that, in just the last chapter, he was afraid of. It's on now. I mean, it's about to go down. So he divided the children amongst Rachel and Leah and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last, the ones he loved the most, furthest back did the same thing he did before, but one difference. And this is God's word to us as a church, and it's God's word to you specifically. Then he crossed over before them. After he finally wrestled with God and learned to hold on, for the first time he came out of the background and moved into the foreground. He stopped trying to lead from behind and started to lead from the front. What God is saying to this house is that we have spent some time wrestling with God, but to no avail. But finally, we've learned to hold on, and we've held on long enough that we are no longer going to lead from the back. We're no longer going to be in the background, but God's about to move us to the foreground. God's about to change us deep on the inside. What we used to be, we aren't anymore. What was is no longer. We see here not a little guy sneaking around and, and looking, uh, you know, no, no, no. Other translations say his name literally means prince with God. We, we, we don't see somebody shucking and jiving, somebody waiting for somebody else to pay the price and then coming to, up behind them and, and letting someone else blaze the trail and then, then, then building up. No, no, we see a prince. A prince is out front. A prince is an individual. That's where we get the word principality. Prince or principle, it means first thing. Prince means you, you become a leader. And what happened is, is when, when, when Jacob learned to hold on, he became the leader that God always wanted him to be. There was a leader locked way down deep on the inside of him that, that it took a night where God had to grab him by the collar that God finally released that leader that was in him. And without, you know, it wasn't something that he meditated on. It was, he was just a new him. And, you know, in the past, again, he'd kind of sneak around. But there was something changed. It's like, I ain't hiding from my brother. You know, no, I, 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 I'm not, no, 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 no. He, he, he who loves the light comes in the light. And, and, and I'm going to protect my family. I'm not going to put them out in front of me. and then, then No, no. I am going to lead from the front. Then he crossed over before them. And bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. See, after this man had this encounter with God, it not only made him humble, but fearless. My simple message today is that many of you in this room have been in the background, but God wants to move you to the foreground. Many of us in this room have wanted places that others have, but God's going to give you a place of your own. Many in this room, you don't understand that the moving, the shifting and the wrestling match, why you've had it, the one you had, but it's because God has a plan and he's now about to put you out front. And he bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But you see, when he became, the next verse is not on the screen, but actually the, the next verse tells us that when his brother came and met him, he hugged him. You see, at first, Jacob was hiding behind mama's skirt. Remember? His mother was the one that told him to steal the inheritance. But when he finally showed himself a man, his brother respected him. And instead of killing him, he hugged him. And let me tell you something. When you change, your outcomes will change.
2: This has been a classic edition of the Live Big broadcast with Derek Greer, pastor of Grace Church in Dumfries, Virginia. Our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word strengthens and inspires you to live a life bigger than yourself. So remember, you can access this message and much more for free at GraceChurchVA.org. And we also invite you to join the Grace Church family for service online by connecting on our website or on YouTube at TV. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes to live big.